you have your Bibles today or there's a pew Bible in front of you, please turn to the book of Mark. We're going through a series of the book of Mark, chapter 4. If you have your message notes, you want to take those out and start following along in the message notes. So this morning, I will be continuing a thread from previous sermons about being used of God. I believe that we all want to be used by God. I want to be used by God. So our focus uh, this morning is going to be God using our insignificant parts of our life for significance. So think about that. Get plugged in here. Our insignificance uh, that God wants to use for the significance. And I think that's a, that's a powerful statement there. So let's, let's go forward with this. I believe most of us have given personal appraisals for the value of our lives. Do our lives count for something? What do they count for? We ask personal questions like, is, is, uh, is my life count maybe something bigger for myself than myself? Am I making a difference in my children's lives or my grandkids? Am I, uh, am I a good employee? What does my boss think about me and my performance? Am I a good student? Do my actions make a better world? Is God using me to do his will? Or does he want to use, or does he even want to use who I am and where I've been and what I have to offer? Does God want to use me? I'm going to confess this morning. It's a good place to confess, isn't it? (laughs) I confess that I have these moments where I feel at times very inadequate and fear to the normal task of life, like being a parent or grandparent. Being a, a good husband or a good friend or a valued employee. And these feelings, uh, am I good enough, are, are, are like our tensions uh, as we go through life, we experience life. Listen, I'm going to give this to the parents. Parents, you have children at home. Or even this this would apply to grandparents as well. I want to give you something here that you need to latch on to. It's very important in your relationship to your children. Parents, be aware that your children have thoughts of inadequacies. One of the major inadequacies for your daughter is constantly asking themselves, are they beautiful? Am I beautiful? Uh, Your sons are asking this question time and time again as they're growing up. And it's important to us dads and moms to, to understand these questions for their children. Do I have what it takes to be a man? Now, there's some um, men that are still asking that question. Do I have what it takes to be a man? And we as parents and grandparents have a great opportunity to help them get the right closures to those questions. So in my flesh, and I I say this in my flesh, I feel inadequate when it comes even to spiritual matters. You know, say, Pastor, you're like, you feel like, well, what are you doing up there? (laughs) I wonder, what am I doing up here? (laughs) You know, inadequacies, like, like walking in the footsteps of the perfect man, Jesus Christ. (laughs) It's like, look at my life. Following the calling of God with, with the ministry. I feel I don't measure up in what God is asking me to do, what he wants me to do. Am I good enough to be used by God? 
Now, should I let those feelings of inadequacy stop me from serving God? Should we allow that which we think is wrong uh, uh, or what we think is missing cripple us from being used by God? Stop us. Listen, we all have these inadequacies, these feelings of inadequacies in life, and I do believe that it is a great tool of the devil to speak into our ears and try to get us off track, to try to to put the brakes on from following Jesus Christ, thinking that we can't follow Jesus. I know who I am, and and I don't have that much to offer. And we can come to a place that we're not moving forward in our growth with Jesus and with others. But we can be used by God. And here's the thing. We can be used by God by embracing our insignificance, those insignificant areas of life, our weaknesses, our smallness, our inadequacies, our brokenness, our hurts, our frustrations, our past, our Achilles heel in life is the very thing that God wants to use to grow us into something that is both beautiful and powerful. My friend, This area of inadequacy, these areas that we don't think God wants to have anything to do, those are the things that will launch you into greater things for him. In fact, I want you to understand this, that it is is probably the greatest thing that God will use in your life to minister to others and to be used of God are those inadequacies, those failures, those weaknesses, those things in our life that we have. And I'll give you um, just an, an illustration of this, of, of life. You know, there's, there's things that uh, my wife and I have gone through in, in our life, and uh, one of the times that uh, our moments of life uh, it was very trying for us was when she had cancer, and uh, we went through that. But, you know, when we entered into that cancer season, and uh, how long ago was that, Cindy? Seven years ago. When we entered into that time, we did not know the outcome. We did not know. There were a lot of questions going on. But you know what we did? We said, God, uh, we don't understand this, but we are willing to give cancer to you to use for your glory. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, that was powerful because we came into that and we said, God, you use this. And God did use this. And we ministered to so many people, even still today. God is using that over and over and over again. It is one of the most powerful things, as other things that have happened in our life, that God has used us to minister to, to, to help others in our life. Just saying that the insignificant is a very powerful place for God to work. I love the story of Gideon. You know Gideon? Yeah, he was the guy, you know, that was hiding, and, and, and the angel came to him and said, oh, mighty man of valor, and here he was, he's hiding like a, like a chicken. I love that. Gideon, he, he's not the guy who keeps leaving his Bible in hotel rooms. <laughs> he's the Jewish judge who describes himself as the least in my entire family. This is Gideon. And God called Gideon to liberate the Israelites from a cruel oppression of the Midianites. And he had to defeat the enemy. Now, the enemy had an army of about 100,000 men. And God took Gideon and provided him with just 300 men to fight the 100,000 men. (laughs) Imagine that. 
you're leading 300 men against 100,000 men. You know, it seems that God delights when we feel totally inadequate and he puts us in those positions. He told Gideon, you have too many wars with you, and if I let all you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me they have saved themselves by their own strength, Judges 6.2. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by the number of challenges coming against you, physically, financially, relational, spiritually, know that God is with you, and that makes you a majority, my friend, when God is with you. There are no inferiority or inadequacies when you think about who God is and what he is in our life. Not only does God uh, take Gideon and his 300 men and they face 100,000 troops, but God orders them to fight with some very, uh, shall we say, unconventional weapons like clay pots and torches and ram's horn against swords and spears. God said, I want you to use those to fight those 100,000 men who are trained with all those, those swords and spears, those weapons, using non-weapons to fight those, the enemy who had weapons. We can feel completely ill-equipped to handle the challenges. I don't have the finances. I don't have the resources. I don't have the education. I don't have the emotional strength. Gideon commands his troops, get up for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianites. And he did. And to make sure this military is humanly impossible, he told Gideon, I want you to fight them at night, which is not something they used to do. Here's the point of this. God seems to delight in using our worst, our weakest, and darkest moments. You know what? When it's all said and done and God gets gets the the victory, gives us the victory, it, it is God that gets the glory. It's not of ourselves. See, sometimes when there's insignificance and the weakness, and so we we magnetize the, uh, uh, we um, make that bigger than God, and we think that that is too big for God to use me because I have this, because I'm here, because I have that. So this morning we're going to, you know, say well, you turn, said to turn into Mark four. When are we going to get there? Well, we're going to get there right now. Okay. Today, we're going to look at an inspiration, one of the cool stories in the Bible about Jesus Christ concerning a mustard seed. All right, so let's, let's go to chapter 4, and uh, we'll start reading in verse 30. Now, understand this is, a, this is something that God is going to use that's small and insignificant, and through God's power, he is, He's going to make that which is insignificant, significant. So let's read verse 30. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God? That's a question. Or with what parable shall we picture it? Another question. What, 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 how should we describe? What is a descriptive word, uh, a picture of the kingdom of God? And he said in verse 31, he answers his own question. He said, it is like a mustard seed, which when it's sown on the ground is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. But when it's sown, it is it, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. So we see here, as we review the points of this parable, a mustard seed is descriptive of the kingdom of God. All right, so we're describing what the kingdom of God is. 
And when this little insignificant seed is planted, it grows into a huge plant, many times the size of the little seed. This insignificant becomes significant. And there are two interpretations of what this means. The first one is a prophetic uh, point. Talking about the nation of Israel and how it had a humble beginning through Abraham, you know, Isaac, and Jacob and the 12 tribes, and eventually it, you know, it eventually grew into a large nation. And the nation of Israel, which was a small, and it's still today a very small nation. And so it had a humble beginning and it, and it grew. And then you move over into the New Testament when Jesus came and he had a humble beginning uh, there in Bethlehem. And uh, how that uh, while he was here on the earth for 33 years, the church started and uh, the 12 apostles were there with Jesus. And out of those 12 apostles, Jesus started the church. And then the church just continued to grow and uh, be spread out into the world and, and still even today. There is a, uh, a study done, and I, and I looked up uh, about how many Christians there are in the world. Now, when I use Christians, it's going to be kind of loosely. But, but just as somewhere in, in this large number, there's estimated something like 2.18 uh, billion Christians of all ages around the world representing uh, the global population. So I'm just saying from that humble beginning with Jesus and those 12 apostles and the churches that grew out of it and, and the churches that, that are around the world that exploded, there are thousands of churches in America and there's thousands and thousands of churches around the world. And so it's a great picture. When you say that, that from 12 apostles from the 12 tribe of Israel back there in the Old Testament, and it has a grew into the church of what it is today. The second interpretation of this, which, which fits the usage of, this, of the seed in the immediate flow of the Scripture with the seed, because in verse 14, remember we talk about those four receptions of the seed, four receptions of the Word of God. We, we have that, and, and that good one, that good heart is the receptive one that, that, that the seed is planted and produces fruit. We talked about that. also talked about uh, the lamp being the Word of God. And considering what you hear and, and hearing, uh, and uh, not only hearing, but doing uh, what the Word tells us. And then we grow uh, through that. The, the Word of God is like a farmer goes out and he plants a seed and, and he doesn't worry about it. But it, overnight, it, 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 uh, over time, it grows and eventually grows. And it just does it by itself. Don't have to understand it. It's just like the Word of God comes and penetrates our life. It has the power to make people followers of God. It's the Word of God that does the converting, and we just give the Word, and the Word takes root in people's life as they receive it. It's not a, it's not a hard, complex thing to be a Christian, a growing church. You just look at the Word and believe the Word, apply it to our lives, and we obey it, and we have spiritual life because of that. When a tiny portion of Scripture is planted in a receptive heart, it becomes significant. The Word of God blesses a person beyond their wildest dreams. Now get this, the seed started out small, tiny, insignificant, but it possessed everything it needed to become a mighty plant. Jesus maybe held up a seed. I don't know if he did. 
It'd be interesting if he did, if like he healed us, the mustard seed, and, and everybody's squinching and looking at the mustard seed. He said, this mustard seed, and maybe he was in a mustard seed, mustard garden. I don't know, there were mustard plants all around him, and, and, and here he was, and then they looked at the, the mustard plants, those greater than all the other herbs in the garden. What God is saying in the seed, it's complete. There's nothing lacking for it to grow. It just needs to be replanted and received into a heart. And from that grows a tremendous crop. You know, and as you think about this, as we have the Word of God in, in our lives, that not only it just grows and it grows that life, but that life then produces seeds. And those seeds are then planted and they're received and they go. It's a perpetual life-giving system that the Word of God has in our heart. You know, so here we are today, Somos. On St. Patrick's Day, yes, I know it's St. Patrick's Day, and I didn't wear green today. But today, St. Patrick's in 2019, we're still, we're seeds, seedlings of what has been planted centuries before us. And if God tarries, uh, waits for his coming, and if God continues to allow us to, to, to grow, we'll have seeds, and there'll be other seeds, and there'll be other seeds, and there'll be other seeds. That's the power of the seed, the Word of God. When we allow the Word of God to grow in our hearts, growth happens. It's significant when we do this. And so Jesus used this small, insignificant seed to show something significant. So I want to bring an application for us, remaining time that we have together in the message. The application is this, my significance, and am I talking about significant or what the world may say that's significant? I'm talking about eternal significance. I'm talking about a spiritual significance. I'm, a, I'm talking about what really counts in life. My significance depends on my relation with God's Word. You cannot get around this. If you're going to be a significant person for Jesus Christ, you're going to be used of God, you cannot, you cannot back off from this. You have to embrace this. The Word of God is so important for us in our life because it produces life. This is a book like no other book. This is a book of life, and life begets life. When we come to the Word of God, we hear the Word of God, we listen to the Word of God, we get excited about the Word of God, life is produced. I was so happy that I got to talk to a, a guy yesterday. And um, we're, we've been having this conversation about God. And uh, I was sharing that I have uh, this Bible app called the Version. Many of you know about that. And, and how it has been blessed my heart. And I was just sharing it to him. And, and immediately this guy goes, pulls out his phone and, and goes to his app store and downloads version. and we got to have this little conversation of how he can start having the Word of God in his life. And I'm so excited about that because I know if he will get in the Word and allow the Word of God receive, he will have spiritual life from that. And then maybe his family will have life because of that. And maybe his friends will have life because of that. And his grandkids and generations from now because of what the Word of God will do in a person's heart. How do we allow the Word of God to grow? Well, I think like we said earlier, you've got to be plugged into it. 
You got to have it in your life. Now, here's another thing. And you can't, it, it, because you can have it in your life, and you can be reading, it in, be reading it in your life, but if you're not obeying what is being said, there is a disconnect. There's an unplug that happens. Even though we may continue on, we have this routine that we may read. But if, listen, if we're not allowing it to become our, our leader, our master, our decision maker in our life, the principles are not starting to engraft and be in our life. We will not have the fruit. So if we hear the word of God and we allow it to come into our life and we obey it, there will growth happen over and again. It's like when my, my, my mother... Uh, didn't uh, run a kitchen where we could go into the kitchen and we say, Mom, I feel like I'm going to, I want a hamburger today. And uh, tomorrow, can you make macaroni and cheese? And she didn't go, and I've heard of, of mothers who, d- who have done this. She didn't go to each children and say, what would you like for dinner? Okay, I'll make that. And what would you like for dinner? I'll make that. And I didn't have that privilege. I was, I was abused. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I, look, I, when, when the table was set, the food was set on the table, and I had to eat whatever was set before me to have a choice. Well, she knew what was good for me. She knew what I needed. She knew that this was important. And uh, even though I didn't, I didn't, and I still don't care for tomatoes too much. I have to eat tomatoes. Whatever it might be, coconut. I'm not a coconut fan. I just said that the table was set, and God has put a table before us of, of a word of God, and he, and he knows what's good for us. And he knows that it's, it's important for us. And we don't get to choose this. We don't have a, have a barter system with God. God, you know, I know that part of the scripture, but I, I, I'll do that. But I, over here, I don't want to do that. No, when God speaks to us, whatever it is in the word of God, to produce that growth and to go forward with the relationship with God, you have to embrace it. Yeah, we struggle with it. I struggle with things. But we have to embrace those things. We have to go forward with, with obedience to God's word if we're going to grow spiritually. So how do we allow the word of God to grow? Hear it, have it in our life, and obey it. Secondly, Application, you're insignificant is what God will use significantly. I come back to this point again because I think it's a very important point. People who think they have it all together, know it all, think they are significant, have no room in the end for the word, for, for, for God, they are full of themselves. It is the meek that will inherit the earth. It is those that are, are, are feel uh, avoid and inadequate and weak, those are the ones that God uses. Those are the ones that, that, that because they're not full of themselves, that they feel that they need God. These are the ones that God uses. You think you don't have what it takes to be used by God? Listen, it is usually God's way to begin his great works with the small inferior of things. More than any other thing in your life, if you will take whatever it is, your weaknesses, whatever it is that you maybe struggle with, if you will give that to God, it will be the one of the most powerful thing that God will use in your life. I can testify that. 
Well, we can find the Bible is full of stories about that. Abraham and Sarah, they said, we're too old to birth the nation. God couldn't do that. God couldn't use this. And turn on. they had a baby uh, in their old age. Moses said, who am I to lead a nation to God from the burning bush? And God said, what is in your hand, Moses? Well, it's just this insignificant rod. Well, give that to me, and I'll do mighty things with it. And he did uh, against the Pharaoh and the uh, Egyptians. Paul said he was the least of the apostles. And he had some struggles that he, the things he persecuted the Christians and those things. And he even had a physical and infirmity in his life and, and he tried to get rid of it, but God didn't allow them. He said, God said, no, Paul, this is the thing that's going to fast forward you in leadership and ministry and being a servant. Paul, you just embrace this and, and trust me, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. Paul did that, and Paul was a great missionary, great servant of God. Timothy had to be encouraged by Paul's Paul because he felt he was too young and inexperienced to be used by God. Listen, God uses small and significant things to accomplish his great purpose. Every great person was once so feeble that they couldn't even move from one place to another as they were carried in their mother's arm. <laughs> we all have humble starts. We all have that. I love what the, what the Lord said in Luke chapter 17. He said, he said, he's talking again to the apostles about the mustard seed. He said in this story, he said, increase our faith, said the apostles to the Lord. And the Lord said, if you have a faith like a mustard seed, you would say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. The point is this. You already possess more than enough what is needed to change your life, your heart, your family, even your own. We lack nothing. No one has imagined how different your outlook on a life would be if you, if you had absolute confidence that God was with you, that God was for you, that he wanted to use you just like you are. Imagine how differently you would respond to his calling, to his ministry, helping, find, helping people find God, if you knew certainly that God gave you all that you need to be used by God, that you lack nothing to serve God, that he is planning to leverage that which you feel that is weak and inferior, insignificant, for good to make you a more usable and better servant of God. Zechariah, the prophet, said, he said, for who has despised the day of small things? We're not, to small, we're not to despise the small things. They are perhaps the greatest things in our life. You know, every great revival that has swept across a nation, whether it's America or Europe or England, every nation it had a humble beginning. And usually it was like in, in, with, with some people that's praying together and praying for revival. And God used those humble beginnings to do a great work in the lives of people. And I sense today for our church, today, that God is blowing fresh wind in our church. These messages about being used by God, I've been just so impressed by God to speak on this subject. And here's the thing, that God wants to use you and I in a greater way. He wants to use this church in a greater way in this community. He wants to move us forward. 
like a tall sailing ship. To move forward, its sails must be open to catch the wind to move from where it sits. Let's not believe the lies that keep us from opening up our sails to catch the movement of God. God usually starts great movements with the insignificant. Remember when you became a believer in Jesus Christ? Remember that moment? You didn't know a lot of Bible verses. Maybe you have never, some of you never read the Bible through or you didn't know about Zechariah. You have never heard the story of Gideon. But you believe those simple verses that somebody gave you or you heard in a message. And, and you didn't understand what the word redemption meant or, I don't know, whatever, these big words of the Bible. And you didn't have a, a big grasp on God. You didn't have that at all. But you just had the simple faith and belief and conviction that you were a sinner and that you knew that if you died in your sins, you were going to miss heaven and go to hell. You knew that you needed to accept what Jesus did upon a cross. And you accepted him into your heart. And your life has changed because of that. That seed. God's movements usually start with the insignificant in our lives. I want you to consider in closing, what would be some insignificant thing that perhaps it causes you to, uh, as an obstacle for you to go forward. Maybe, maybe here God wants to use you in a greater way, but you keep bringing this obstacle up. You keep bringing this weakness up. You keep bringing this thinking up, and, and, it's, and it's causing you to, to, to stay where you're at. May I encourage you to open up and let God Use the very thing that is holding you back to be like a sail to move you somewhere where you've never been, to move you and use you in a greater way that, he, that you've never been used like that. I would challenge you. It's an exciting ride if you do that. There's a, on the bottom of your message notes, there's a statement here with an empty blank. I want you to think about that. Fill in the blank there, that statement. It says, today I give whatever it is. Whatever that thing that you think about comes to remind as we talk to be used by God into something significantly. What would be that? I want you to bow your heads in prayer. Is it a hurt? Is it something that you suffered as a child? Is it some physical condition? Maybe a lack of education. Maybe it's maybe it's some broken relationship. Maybe it's some some bitterness. I want to ask you today, God, 
I want, to, I want you to take the worst parts of my life and I'm going to give it to you. The worst parts. And I'm going to give it to you and allow you, God, to use it to make it the best parts of my life. Did you do that? Heavenly Father, you are the good, good, perfect Father. Your judgment is always right. Your wisdom is always spot on. Your love is always available. Your will and calling is always with a great and holy purpose. And God, we confess that we choose to listen to our thoughts more than your words. We consider our thinking greater than your thinking. And we confess that. And we repent for this thinking that we know what is better or best for our lives than you do. We're sorry for refusing to trust your leadership in our lives. Holy Spirit, cleanse our minds from the thoughts that keep us from surrendering to your good purposes for our lives. We lean into you for strength. We trust that you will take our weaknesses, our brokenness, our voids, our insignificance, and turn it into the significant. And we say this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.